Hello there, and welcome to a Dungeons and Dragons role-playing podcast. My name is Stacy, and I'm the GM. Come with me and my good friend Mick. Join us in our weekly discussion about our campaign. Listen to our successes and failures while trying to flex our role-playing muscle. The funny bits, the dumb bits, and the all-around good time that comes with this great activity. The cast is From the Courts of Cush, a tiefling paladin named Akmenis. From the Spice Coast comes a human fighter named Odvik. An elderly knoll from Dabu, a Yamaja cleric of life, Oraki. From Parts Unknown, the Asmar warlock of the Starlight Court, Elbrum. Then there is Captain Deuteronomy's savior, the elf-marked wizard named Kalidus. And last, but not least, from across the Middle Sea is the human paladin named Kalin. The campaign setting is the Southlands from Cobalt Press. We are using the D&D 5e rule set, and we game using the Fantasy Grounds virtual tabletop. So that's the cast. That's the campaign. Now, good people, welcome to the show. In this episode, the afternoon desert sun beats down on the Grey Company. Water skins are empty. Of the pool of blood, only a trapdoor remains. Odvik, Kalin, and Oraki yank it open and are sailed with the stench of death. Kalidus, still glowing indigo, is suddenly looking at a figure lying in the flora. It is Kaim Waset. Kalidus tries to communicate, and the others, they are mystified. Kalidus is talking to Kaim? Where? What? How? Whose eyes is Kalidus looking through? The exhausted Ekmenis wearily flaps into the air to investigate. Why does Odvik throw a rock at the flying Ekmenis? Oraki drops a light pebble into the hole. Forty feet down, they see a humanoid body. Repressed memories of Tuscully tunnels hit Kalin like a wave. Ekmenis recognizes the body as being Kajani. What should they do? Elbrum shakes Sil, applies some pixie dust, and thinks a happy thought. He then flies down to give aid to the Kajani. His touch causes the body to wither. Ekmenis attempts to administer a dollop of blood into the Kajani's mouth but his touch causes the body to turn to dust. Silhouette feels a fey presence further down the dark tunnel. Once back topside, Elbrum astounds the Grey Company and angers Sill. There is a leaf growing from his wrist. Do you want to know more? Then sit back, stay tuned, and enjoy. Hello, peoples of the inter- interweb. I'm here once again with my friend Mick, and we are reviewing what happened in our last session. So, in the last session, we, you guys were still at the blood pool. You had finished uh, taking out the blood elemental from the previous session, so it is basically right after the battle. And the, the battle didn't take too long. I mean, you you guys did face off with some Tuscali. You You took them out. You then basically turned a dial which caused the blood to go into these pillars and then once all the blood was in the pillars it came out through the top and it formed into this blood elemental that you guys fought. So between the time you encountered the Tuscali 
doing a bit of investigation around the pool, releasing the blood elemental and stopping. It was roughly about 11 o'clock. The, the sun of the desert was out bearing down on you guys. So from my point of view, it's like, okay, whatever water you guys had, you used, you used up the rest of your water. So you guys are going to be feeling thirsty unless you've got an extra water skin. And now what are you going to do? And I, I, I had fun with this because I was able to stand back a lot and just let you guys go. Although I, I do admit, stand back a lot. I did in this session more than any other that we've done. Backstories have come into play a lot. And so I would be pulling. Oh, I, I loved it. In fact, when you guys decided like there was no, let's go to the trap door that's there and let's go check for traps. It was just instantly, let's just start yanking on this thing. And I was just like, I tried to speak and like, do you guys want to check for traps? Just very <laughs> subtly, without specifically asking. I wanted to, but no, no. Our we're gonna, dynamic has changed. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, there's no rogues at all. So the whole, let's look yeah. for traps. Nobody even considers this. And, and it's really but funny. But also that the, the, the Elrum and Calidus have, have tended to back off a lot with the new players coming in. Give them, them and, some time and to give shine. Them, yeah, give them free will to go off and do the stuff they want to do. And also, you know, these are we've never had people that can take hits before. So if you notice the, the layout of the characters, Calidus and Elbrum were standing up the back while the rest of them were <laughs> rummaging around the trap door. And it's like, yeah, go for your life, guys. Yeah, that's fine. If you die, we don't care. You guys did manage to open it. And then I had a number of things that needed to have happened when a trap door. One was the smell, which very clearly Oraki would hear. But as soon as that happened, all of a sudden, I took you to a private channel, and I was yeah. like explaining that you were now looking, and you were seeing someone who's laying on his stomach, looking through binoculars, and you recognize that it's Kame Wasset, and you are trying to talk to him, and all your companions can hear you talking, but nothing is actually coming out of your words towards Kame. And so this was fun, because I left you in that private channel, and then I went and told them, Okay, you guys can hear Calidus. It sounds like he's trying to talk to someone. And he's saying, Hello, can I help you? Oh, hey, Kane. <laughs> it was I actually enjoyed that because that was really easy to do. And basically it was and Iraqi was brilliant. So you you had a situation where I just role played it up and to just visualize the situation, go through the motions, say the words, try and figure out how to talk to him. And at the same time, you've got a Rocky in your ear going, tell me what you see and what's going on and can you hear me and all that kind of stuff. And then to have this conversation with a Rocky and try and make contact and say what you're going to do and then do it and find out that it doesn't work but have a Rocky saying, hang on, that I can see that out on the other side. And, and that was a great bit of role-playing. That was, that was really good. And, and then you tried your light spell and I was just like, I let you run with it. I wasn't going to say, what about the real stone? Just, I want to do my light spell. So, yes, you do your light spell. And I rolled on the real stone table and, man, nothing. <laughs> so, yes, the real stone, nothing happens with the real stone. Got nothing. You still have the indigo glow about you. And a light, you basically light a pebble at yeah. your shoe. And, again, you're sitting there looking, looking at Kame Wasset and your light spell doesn't work. But everybody's like, hey, <laughs> You just cast a light on the, the pebble by your foot. <laughs> yeah. And so this was really good. So I'm sitting there and it's, that, it's the wonderful dream sequence, isn't it? You can't, you can't, you move your hands and feet. You can't see anything. Nothing happens. You can't move. Couldn't see what he was looking at. 
and nobody touched you. I was waiting for someone to touch you. And then finally, Elbrum had Syl go over. And his description was that she came and she touched you. And finally, when someone touched you, that was the trigger to bring you back to yourself. We would never have figured that out in nope. a million years. Well, it was just, I, I, and I was just waiting for certain things to happen. I had these ideas in my head of what I wanted to happen here. And so that happened. And now all of a sudden you're back. And the very first thing you're like, okay, I think someone's looking at us. And you didn't, oh, Seal touched you just at the moment, moment when you're like, I want to look around to see what else I can see. And so before, yeah. before I could, and I, I was waiting for you to say that too, but because Elbrum had still touched you, I wasn't going to tell you that you look around, you see the valley, and you see everybody. You immediately said, oh, I, I, think I, I thought that we, at that stage, I thought it actually the sequences was the other way around, and I went to look, but I couldn't. Oh, that, that's right. That's what and I did. Then, because... And so my vision was locked on where I was going. That's right. My bad. That's right. I had, you had full control over your own body, but the eyes that you were looking through, it had was no control. No control. So I couldn't see what he was looking at. But whoever was looking through your eyes saw everything that, as you were turning your head around, they saw everything. Then the first thing you did was you told the guys this, and Ekmenos was like, okay, I'll go take a look at But he's exhausted. Yeah. So his perception <laughs> checks, he rolled, I mean, he was rolling low digits, like less than fives, and with his modifiers for perception, he was basically having zeros. Yes. So, yeah, he was flying around, and I was just like, Okay, perception of zero, what does that mean? Yeah, you're having a merry old time sunbathing while you're up there, you know, momentarily forgetting that you're supposed to be doing a task. Yeah, so it became fairly obvious that he had no idea what was going on. No, no. And you got to go with it, right? Like, that's, that's the nature of having your skill checks and whatnot, and that's the nature of being exhausted. And we talked about that before, how debilitating it is when you are exhausted. And I think part of, of what happened after that, this is the launching off into lunacy when given an opportunity to do something outrageous then you do so clearly while he's flying around up there and can't see anything and isn't paying any attention then surely you must throw a rock at him <laughs> and of course you threw the rock because Calidus is and always Calidus. the first one out and with his little muscles <laughs> he I barely... throw the rock yes which barely gets above your head <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh, yes and then it's like, okay, Odd Vicar. Can you please throw a rock at him? Can you him? please throw a rock at and him? And he rolls like attention. a 20. <laughs> You're pelting him with pebbles. <laughs> and he turns around and he's like, refocuses. Can I roll my perception again? Yes. Zero. <laughs> <laughs> of course you okay, can. you're not sunbathing anymore, but you realize that you're just, you can't yeah. focus when you're flying. Everything's blurry. You're just too tired. And we can't see anything. So we're in the valley looking up at the hills and the ridges, and we don't see Kane Waset. But we do recognize, Calidus does recognize that the foliage around him, the undergrowth around him, is consistent with the area that we're in. Yes. So we draw the conclusion that he's watching us. Somewhere close by. Yeah. And I mean, there was enough of the things that you guys do that I have no problem saying that in the podcast that, yes, you are very clear that you know that Cain Mossad is somewhere. And yeah. at a later point, you find out that indeed he was watching you guys. At that point, you know, I also then played up again the bit about the smell coming from the hole. And you were, someone was like, I'm going to throw a torch down there. And it was like, yeah, but Calidus just, yeah, just, he lit up a I've pebble. A, Why don't you throw the I've pebble down? Rock. Yeah. And so you guys threw it down there, and it dropped down 40 feet to the bottom, and at the bottom was a body. 
And I was really, really surprised that Elbrum went down first. I really, in my mind, I, I just... Yeah, that was weird. I thought, in my mind, I thought Odvik or Kalen would be the first down. Now, I thought Odvik because I assumed that if Kalen... And this is the thing. This is why I was waiting for certain things to happen with Kalen because his backstory, from what you know, is that you guys found him in the Pyramid of Kowal beside the an exit or entrance hole. hole of a Tuscali laying there exhausted very clearly he'd come out of that Tuscali hole and I told him some things and I was waiting for opportunities where he would come into that like so for me a hole in the ground would give him a lot of anxiety because hmm. he what I was going with because he he wasn't telling you guys much I was going from the point of view as well he's got repre repressed memories and because as well, he wasn't telling you guys stuff. I, I just, yep, you've got repressed memories. So at one point during the day, as you guys were saying stuff and spewing off ideas, I went and took him into a private channel because it was just too much of a pain in the ass to, to type out something as a whisper. Yeah. I took him into the private channel. I was like, as the guys are talking, some of the stuff that they, they say triggers some of your repressed memories. And you remember about when you were in the, the Tuscali hole, you seen this. Did you give him anything new or did you only give him no, stuff that he, he already knew, he all, knew stuff. all of that stuff? It's so, just that he'd forgotten it. Okay. So sidebar here, we now get back to the, it's the same discussion that we've had before. When you get given a piece of information, yep. you sit on it and don't give it to no. the people. Yep. And that's what he's done. Yep. So like everybody, like Akmenas, Odvik, everybody's got their backstories. Now, do the people know that you, you're not really a refugee? You came from, I forget what cities they are, just south of Midgard and north of Southlands. You came from there, and you came down on this ship, and they know about the box. And well, Elbrum, Elbrum knows about Elbrum, Captain Deuteronomy. Elbrum, Elbrum knows I'm not a refugee. Yeah. He knows how I got here. But he, not all of he it. Knows the, well, he knows. They all, he only, right at the start, when the rogues were there, they got the, the story of you know, saving the ship and all the rest of it. And you're right. Oh, that's the true others, on the day one. That's right. Yeah, the you, others you just all of a sudden went... Yeah, this, vomited is, it, out your one, backstory. this is my backstory. This is where I came from. This is what I did. The others... They don't know. They, they don't know that I'm not a refugee, but they do know that I was in the refugee camp. And so while I may not be fleeing the Tuscali... It, it, that actually brings up an interesting point, is that... Every time someone leaves then and gets replaced, the, the backstory, it's almost as though the people that are there only need to know the backstory of the newcomers, and the newcomers have to figure it out by themselves, by the bits and pieces they, that they get given, which is fairly much what happens in the, in the real world. The people that have been there for 25 years, they don't tell their story, everybody knows it, and if you're new, we want to know your story, but... You'll get ours in time. And and here's the thing, like I know Akmenis' backstory, I know Odvik's backstory and Kalen's and throw so I throw bones at them. And Akmenis very clearly you guys might not be aware, but he's very, very clearly playing up his backstory, which I'm having fun with. And so often most often if I'm dragging someone into a private channel, it's because A, you've seen something that the other people haven't, or B it, this is related to your backstory, and now it's up to you to do what you want to do with it. So one point, I brought Akmenis in because he observed something. Well, in fact, I both had you guys do a, a history check when you looked at the body. 
and I brought both you and Akmenes in and told you about the Kajani. Because mm. you, from your history, you'd read about them, and yeah. so you knew that this was a Kajani, this was a plant person. And then I pushed you out of that private channel, yeah. and Akmenes knew a little, some other stuff that was tied to his backstory. And the private channel thing's getting, uh, is starting to change. Oh? Yeah. Why? The, in the past, the private channel thing was lots of people sitting around twiddling their thumbs while you go and chat to someone. Oh. But now, the, as drag soon as you out. drag someone into a private channel, the conversations that go on are almost like the, what about we could, what's happening, blah, 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 blah. The, you get a combination of role-playing and metagaming all happening at once. And the thing is... Which is really, really interesting. And, and it's not metagaming, really, because you would be discussing these things. Why wouldn't you be discussing these things from the point of view well, when of... When I say metagaming, it's, it's like, what can we do to the DM? Oh. <laughs> right. And, and then there's the, the what's happening down the hole, what's going on. And it's weird that it's far more intense when you drop out of a channel, way more intense conversations than the role-playing conversations. What I find is interesting, because like, I really enjoyed, because why I enjoyed this session was I put, stood back. You guys were role-playing and role-playing and role-playing, and every once in a while, someone would say something that triggered something in me that was relevant to what was going on and, and relevant to something else that they themselves knew. And then as soon as someone said something, I would drag whoever that affected <laughs> into a role-playing channel. Like, for example, well, actually, this was at the end. I did a really shit job of introducing the, the last bit, which was the, the skill challenge that I wanted you guys to face. And I, I realize now that when you're doing a skill challenge, you've got to preface it and basically let everybody know this is going to be a skill challenge. These are the skill challenges that I think would work in this scenario. It's up to you guys to tell me how you use those skills. And I will tell you that you need to get X amount of success, successive successes in order to get or do or pass what it is that you need to do. And this many fails doesn't mean that you don't succeed, but the fails also have a consequence. So it's not, it's not a random encounter with like what we did with the giant scorpions. We'll come back to that later. Yep. So, yes, you guys are now looking at the hole. You've recognized there's a Kajani down there. And Elbrum goes down. And then Elbrum, Elbrum's, hey, Sil, can you put your pixie dust on me, please? And, yeah, she does. And he goes down the hole. And he goes down to look. Oh, because. Um, I, no, he another, doesn't go down the hole. And look, and that's something that we didn't know. What? You can do pixie dust? How much does she have? <laughs> can I have a bucket of that, please? Yeah. That was the first time he used that. That's yeah, right. Yeah. Is yeah. it available at the McDonald's drive through Yep. And actually before that, just before, he, no, he flew down. He seen it was Kajani. And then he went to talk to her and he touched her. Yeah. And for all intents and purposes, when you guys looked, I think you guys got the point that well, when, from my descriptions, what did you think when you seen this? We is got probably the, a better yeah, question. Well, there was a Kajani down there. It wasn't aggressive. It was trapped in a tunnel, probably not related to the plant life above, and therefore worth having a conversation with and possibly saving. A, a part of it being that if anything's dying when you come across it, and this is kind of the ethics that seems to have grown up. 
if it's dying when we get there, we try to save it. Why? Okay, so why would you say that it's not related to the plant life above? Why do I say that? Yeah. Because it's dying. Yeah. And it's trapped in a hole and there's no light. So, you know, photosynthesis doesn't work. I know it's a magical world. Don't know. Why? Gut feeling. This is not the same as the one above. That's the impression I got. Hmm. I mean, and I could be wrong, but again, part of but it you, becomes... Why, but why part did of it you becomes, try to put the blood on it then? Why? Yeah. Because in the absence of anything that's going to fix it and knowing that the plants... I mean, that, again, it's the connection. The blood lake is there, the plants grow. The blood, there's a connection between plants and blood, all that kind of stuff. Mm. Chuck a couple of drops of blood on it and see if it comes back to life. We have no idea what the blood does, and we have no way of fixing a kajani that's down the bottom of a hole. And again, from a... a point of view it's 40 feet down a couple of drops of blood which you fail to, to hit yeah but assuming <laughs> but assuming this the assumption is it's 40 feet down if it's bad if the blood hits it and it's bad we can just chuck the top on and run like fury it's got to get out a 40 foot hole it's only a couple of drops of blood if it gets better we'll see it getting better yep if it requires a large amount of blood we don't have a lot but if this is enough to keep it alive and it can tell us stuff and help us that's that's a good thing but again, it comes back to our ethics. Do whatever it is you can to save the dying creature because it is the one that is going to help you in the end. And if you are saving a dying creature and it starts to go bad, chances are you can probably put it back in its grave again. <laughs> you have the opportunity. It's not like yep. when you save them, they suddenly go from being, I'm dying to, oh my God, I'm going to rip your head off. Flies out, I'm yeah. Superman, it's, blast you with laser vision. None of that's going to happen, yeah. no. You'll get better gradually, and you will say thank you for saving me. And we also have this this in the back of our minds is the the Toscali that said wait. So everything about this environment is just has just got questions all about it. So we try we try and save the plant, uh, but Elbram touches it and it turns to dust. No, in fact, Elbram touched it the first well, it time. Turned to dust, but and yeah. when he touched it. And he, he, he did tell you guys this, and I don't know if this sunk in, because I did take him into a private channel when he was down there and experiencing this. Something happened to him. And then when he came back up, he did tell you guys that something happened to him. But after he touched it, then it turned into a more withered, withered husk. What life looked like that was there was gone. That was the point when you guys were like, well, now let's try dropping some blood on it. Yeah. And you couldn't hit it. <laughs> standing 40 feet up barn. so no. like menace well, was again, like i'm it's... gonna fly down there and i was like it's a four foot by four foot yeah can't you fly, no. how your wings dude mm. so i was like rope rope who's got a rope and calidus always has a rope the one thing calidus will never lose is his silk, his rope. silk rope yep that's the yeah it's going to stay there forever yep in fact calidus was trying to figure out how if we all went down the hole how it was ever going to get the rope back well, I, I, I love that you guys were sitting there thinking, well, what do we do? What do we do? What are we going to tie it off to? Is there any plants? Is there a tree? No, there's nothing. Nothing. And then finally someone was just like, well, I'll tie it on to myself and I'll help him. And I was just like, these people are thinking. <laughs> of course, oh, no, why not? No, the, the, because they were looking at how do we all get down there? Oh, and there, yes, let's tie not, it to the hinge of the trap door. And I was like, there's no hinge. It yeah, was just, you guys popped it yeah, off. You, and just, you, po you just did that. Didn't and you? they're like, there was no, a hinge no, there no. originally. No, there was no hinge this on there. This was a cork in the, yep. in the, in the flask. Yep. Trap door. Yep. Absolutely yeah. it was. And so I love that. That was something I was, exp I was waiting for to, to do that little reveal too. I had to tie it onto Odvik and Ekmenis went down there and he went and he grabbed the jaw to pour the blood into its mouth. And as soon as he touched it, 
turns to dust. Yeah. Gone. And then he gathers up and he puts it in. I don't know if he put it into a water skin or something, but he gathered up a bunch of the dust. While you guys are down there, again, I took Elbrum into another private channel because Sill had things to tell him. And he did tell you guys as well. He did tell you guys that Sill thinks that there's a fey presence down there. Yeah. So there was a Kajani in a hole, pretty much dead. And then, of course, as well, at one point, he's like, guys, there's a leaf growing from my wrist. Yeah. <laughs> and that mm. was fun listening to that. Where's the Oraki right away? Let, well, let's cut it off or pull it off. <laughs> and he was quite adamant that we were not going to take the, the leaf out of his wrist. Well, I, I will admit that in the private channel, he's like, I'm going to pull it off. And I was like, when you pull it, it hurts like no end. Oh, he didn't tell us that. Part. No, he didn't. Okay. No. So that's the but he 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 tried pain. to role play it of no 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 no. So but yes, so he was really no no you're not going to try to pull. And you know where I got this idea from? There was this movie Aliens. No no no. There was a movie about this couple who were trying to have a kid. I think it was like Bill or Tommy Green or something like this. I forget the name. But basically, the, there's a couple that were trying to have a kid. And they couldn't. And so one night they were a little bit drunk. They wrote down all of their wishes about having a child. And then they buried it in their garden. Next day, there's a boy there. And he's got leaves on his feet. Aww. He's like eight leaves or something like this. Yeah, right. And they're a part of him. And so in my mind, I was like, oh, okay. There's certain things that I'm, a, I'm aware of that I've read that are like, oh, these, it'll be interesting to be able to add this to the story and bring this tied into the story to get you guys somewhere. And good luck with tying this one into anything. Oh, I did. I did. The problem was the people who did here haven't said a thing. Oh, right. And, but that, that's just it. It, it was like, for example. It, it, okay. And this is interesting that the leaf growing out of the arm and Calidus glowing purple are two things that neither Calidus or Elbrum care about. Like, and it, it's the, I know you don't guys care. don't, you guys don't care about it. Because it hasn't impacted us yet. No, not yet. But yes. it's absolutely... Everything I do, I'm trying to tie somehow into either a minor plot or a larger plot ties to a central theme. So I, I've been trying to do that. And like, so I've read some certain things. Like, for example, I'll give a li the, the tiniest bit of a hint. Oraki had a vision. You can actually tell me all of it because I'll forget by next Thursday. <laughs> Well, during your trip across the desert to get to the hidden oasis, Oraki's had a vision. And I was really expecting at the start of this scenario that she was going to go, guys, I've had a vision. We need to do this. And I was ready. If, if you guys did that, there was going to be something completely different that was going to happen. So I had basically I had two encounters, two starter encounters ready. And she didn't say anything. I was like, okay, so we're sticking at the blood pool. All right, <laughs> that's cool. Anyway, I've been having fun using those, those private channels. At this point, Ekmenis, out of the hole. And, that, and you guys are having a conversation, and you're like, what do you do? Elbrum's at the edge of a larger chamber. He still is telling him about a presence, a fey presence, and you guys are like, all right, well, that's that. Let's go out, and you guys discuss your next options. And at some point, I, some, you guys went back to the pillars, and I, I forget why you guys went back to the pillars, but it was great. I was really happy that you guys went back to the pillars because... There was things at the pillars that you guys had not yet explored. And so you finally got to explore them. And there was some tiny blood elementals that were sitting there. There was tools that the Tuscali had. There were plates, resinous plates that were there. And listening to you guys 
dialogue about that stuff. And every once in a while, I did I did whisper within Fantasy Ground chat something that was relevant to the people based on their their skill. Oraki has a ridiculously high insight. So every once in a while, uh, it's just like your insight lets you think this. And then she brings that into the conversation. And I was yeah. just like, it was great. It was really, really good. When you guys were first there, it was you and Oraki who arrived there first. And the one blood elemental, you squished it for whatever reason. Well, I was trying to climb up the column, so I thought I'd give it a hand. And it's a tiny little creature. And I thought, well, it's Use your it's hand fine. and then I'll it use bit my hand. you. It tried to bite me. Well, it didn't bite me. It had a crack at me. And I thought, well, okay, if you're going to be like that when I'm trying to help you. So you yeah, squished it. squished it. Yep. Yeah, that's the end of that one. And then it squished it. It formed the same words, although very, very tiny. But it formed the same words yeah. uh, in the ground that were from the larger blood elemental. None of those words make any sense. But Not yet, they don't. No. Yep. And then we decided we'd leave. Well, you guys, in each of the pillars... There was two resin, resin plates at each of the pillars, and one plate was semi-inserted into each of the areas that the Tuscali were working on. Mm. Then Ekmanis pulled them all out, and those stupid little blood elementals, once that they were pulled out, they went back into the, the, the one pillar, and they're like less than a centimeter of, of blood at the one of the pillar, pillars. Yeah. And then, of course, you had some insight about the resin plates that I whispered to you that they were very similar to the resin armor of the one that was flying. Yeah, which Because you were the only one that went and investigated its body. And you had done a crap job of investigating its body. I probably shouldn't say, but I will. You didn't discover all that you could have discovered based on your investigation. That's right. Those are just the little things that I can tie into. But when was it that... Because we had a conversation because last week you had come up with this idea that Cade was the Tuscully. And at one point you told the guys, I, well, there was a big conversation about the Tuscully. And you'd be like, well, you came up and you spewed out all of these crazy ideas that you had. Well, these are things that you and I had yes, discussed. Yes. I, I don't know if we'd done it in our podcast or not. But this was about exploring the possibility that this is not a Tuscully invasion but this is the, the Tuscalia here to save us. And then throwing in the fact that Cobal was not dead yep. and had been wandering around for the last 400 years. Maybe he's a bad guy instead of a, because he's sort of not hanging around. That the chaos at the Supreme Council was there as well. So maybe there's a traitor in amongst it all. So all of these possibilities, this was about the conversation that, that we had was about questioning whether it's a Tuscali invasion in any of the assumptions that we've come to, are they all real? And the answer, and I, my argument, I just sit there and argue that yeah. no, it's it's we've got it all completely ass about. And and then, in this particular episode, all of a sudden you throw out a whole pile of stuff. Yep. That goes to validate my whole the Tuscali are the good guys, Cabal is the bad guys, all of that, and it's like, oh my god, you're channeling my. You're channeling my ridiculous conversations into the game. I'm not going to tell you the answer about that, but I love that that's where you're going with it. The, the possibility exists. Yep. And it exists on the information that came out of... Who did it come from? Well, it comes from because... Menace. No, Kalen. From Because Kalen. there was a yeah, point... he was... He were... was in the tunnel, and there was so much... Like, I told him so much about being in the tunnel, and none of it sunk in. 
So when you were spewing off all of this stuff, I was like, hmm, this might be an opportunity for me to remind him of some of the things he saw when he was in the Tuscali tunnels. So I reminded him. And interestingly... And then let him draw his own conclusions from that. And that people and animals were taken into the tunnel alive, not dead, so clearly not food. He saw them being disemboweled. No, that's not what he saw. Well, what was he... They were being cut open or something. He just seen that their chest had been exploded outwards. Yeah. And he seen that they looked like they'd been... Some of them had been partially consumed. Yeah. So you've got this possibility of being... I don't... Did you say partially consumed? I must have missed that bit because that to me would have said food. So I would have abandoned the whole idea that they were taking these creatures. That might be one of my slips where... Because I told him... And I can't remember exactly what he told you guys, but very clearly the way he was describing it was very much alien. Yeah, and so he was describing the alien TV sequence. Yes. Which is not about food, but which is about infesting the other body and then taking control of it. And so that sort of becomes, oh, look, they've taken Kay, they've turned him into a Toscali. He's the one that we killed that said, wait, all that kind of stuff. And so you get to that scenario, the Toscali are not, they're not breeding, they're being built. So it's a bit, you know, it's a Westworld scenario, mm. that kind of thing. And I'm not going to, I'm not saying whether you know, you're right no, or not. No, and I may or may not be right. But it, it does, and then you look at the, well, if we go further on to what happened. Eventually you guys are, are, okay, we don't know what else to do, but we need to resupply. We go back. So you're going to go back to the village, and this is where the skill challenge that I did a bad job of introducing happens. But eventually we do go down the road, and I love that you're like, I want to use locate object to find the plant that Shump had used to get us. And I was like, brilliant. There's your water source. Now, what are you guys going to do? And then Oraki's like, can I smell a trail? Yes, of course you can smell a trail. Great. You're tracking now. And then, of course, Odvik had wanted like to do a nature check, and he failed a nature check. So that basically, well, Kalen had a success, and he was going to track. Then Odvik failed, so then you had to restart. Then Oraki had smell which was a success. You had your locate object, which was a success. And you're only allowed to use one skill. Like you couldn't use the same skill twice. Mm. And within the skills that you could use, you could use survival twice, uh, but it couldn't be the same person that mm. used it. So those were the rules around that. So, so you had a success using locate object, which I said was going to be an arcana check to find the plant. And then... I think it was Ekmenes who finally had a success. He rolled a 20. Or was it Ekmenes? Or maybe it was Kalen. I forget. Someone else had a, a success on perception to find places where you guys could basically hide from the elements, more yep. or less. So that was enough success that you guys would, yes, you're going to get there. And then it gave me the chance to briefly narrate that you're going to get back home, get back to the village. But on the first night, Fatma comes comes out of the night to come and visit and have a conversation with you guys. And I can't remember if you guys recognized what race she was. I think you guys did. Some of you did, because I had you check for it. And some of you guys recognized her as being Jinborn. And so she comes and she's got a very clear mission. She wants to know some stuff because, you know, you guys were there. And she was like, I want to talk to the guy that was glowing. I want to talk to the, the guys that were in the hole. Mm. And so she started having a conversation. And this is where we get to the point of Calidus was asleep and he comes up and, well, there was some information exchanged, but it, there was the point of Fatma was like, Calidus is being rude. 
Now, this is comes to the point of we were having a, a little bit of a conversation of this where you're like, is this an American versus Australian thing? Take out the word verse. Yes. Australian isms and Americanisms. And is it, the question is, is it a, an attitude thing? Is it a, like crocodile D, blunt, don't care? Australians are very don't care, just blurted out, that kind of thing. I sit here and I sit there and think of you and me and our conversations we have. And then when you're in character, I was always of the impression that you were intentionally going in there and this was part of your role-playing, was to be standoffish. Well, in this particular case, and we, let's use this particular yeah. one, everybody's tired, Calidus has gone to bed, someone's on watch, this woman comes wandering in and wants to talk to me. It's like, go away, I don't care. It's, the, it's that you say it. So Calidus says this because he doesn't want to. And the last time this incident came up was exactly the same. Don't want to know you, I'm sleeping. That was with Leave Abdul alone. Yes. And so it's the, that response is seen as being rude. In Australia, we're just like, okay, he's sleeping, he's a grumpy old bastard. You know. Probably because in Australia, if you are sitting around a campfire and you've been out bush and everybody's sort of getting out, out of their sleeping bags and there's one guy lying in the corner that hammered the piss last night, they're going to be saying, come on, and he's going to go, fuck off. And no one's going to say, you're grumpy, you're difficult, they're just going to go, yeah, right. But what will happen is that they just leave him alone or make him a coffee or you know, that kind of stuff. But it's not seen as rude. So here's the thing. I'm sitting there thinking about who are these people and how would they react, how would they stand. Yes, this one's coming in at the middle of the night and she knows that she's coming in the middle of the night. She knows that she's interrupting you guys while you are at camp and are on watch. What is her going to reaction to be? As well as when you guys met the were crocodile, were crocodile's a boss. He's used to people doing shit that he tells them. He's not going to take any anything unless it serves a certain purpose. I was playing those roles, so I, I understand where you were coming from, and I really thought that this was Calidus not being difficult in terms of anything to do with in character, out of character. No, that's not right. This was Calidus being difficult. In character, because in this scenario, yes, he's tired, he's grumpy, it's late at night, why wouldn't he be? Of course, makes sense. Now, NPC-wise, in that scenario, yes, I know I'm waking you guys up, but this person has a purpose, and so they're not going to let that shit fly. Yeah, and again, I go back to, even as an NPC, this is the American, like if, if I was an American and this had happened in America, what would the response be? It would be the same as yours, because the fact is, is it's no different. And what, would the, and what would the response be? In America, you wouldn't, same thing. In Canada, if someone was being grumpy, you'd be like, you wouldn't confront them. Canadians do not confront. Americans yeah. don't I know, confront and, and so what happened last night was Fatma starts confronting Confronting, everyone. absolutely. Yeah. And so and I looked at it and I think, that's the second time or third time Calidus has been shut down. And what threw it for me last, time, last night was that the other members of the party agreed and they agreed the time before. <laughs> and so I'm going, hang on, I'm playing with a bunch of Americans. They agreed the first time. They agreed the second time. This is the third time that they've agreed that Calidus is a grumpy old bastard. When he gets woken up or disturbed, maybe my picking up on this role-playing position and what I say is across the line. 
No. But where, where they would say... I love it because it's in character. So to me, I think that it has a lot of value. Okay. It is defining. But to be honest, why... In, in, that case, if it's, in that case, then, if it's in character, then the other people, the other players, they agree with the person that's come in. So that, to me, then turns around and says, okay, what you've got is that it's in character, which is what it's supposed to be. Every time I get woken up, I say the same thing. And the other people say, yes, he's rude and all the rest of it. I would have thought that my response, if I'd been awake and been on watch, would be, he's asleep and, like, we don't know who you are and you want to be confronted by the yeah. fact that my companion doesn't want to get out of bed and talk to you. Get, get over it. There's the door. Don't let it hit you in the back of the head on the way out. You're the one who's in the wrong place at the wrong time. That was not what happened. And in the other instances, the same thing has occurred. And that's what sort of triggered in me, maybe this is an Australian-American thing. To me, the way I look at it is you're trying very hard to be in character. And here's the thing is that there are these boundary lines of in character, out of character. So very clearly the guys are aware that someone's coming. It's either going to be a fight or it's going to be something else. And so instead of staying completely in character, they embrace when in reality they ought to be more defensive. I was Possibly. actually... I, I guess I'm exploring... This, this is not... And again, this is not about... Not really about an Australian-American thing. It was the thought of, because of the way that those three transactions have gone down, is this because of the way that in playing Calidus, I say things that are with an Australian... And I know that Australians have this self-depreciating sense of humour and you know we hang shit on each other and all that kind of stuff. And I know that other people in other countries can be offended by stuff. We look at, say, the playing of the national anthem at the NFL in America, which is now becoming an issue in Australia. No one really cares. The, the national anthem and whether you sit or stand or even know the words is kind of immaterial. And, you know, if you flew the flag upside down... Ooh, the patriotism you know, would go through the roof. Not here, it wouldn't. If you, if you did it here, people would go, yeah, what the heck. People would laugh, all that kind of stuff. So when we see the burning of the American flag in with a, you know, a bunch of... Hooligans and whatnot. Anyone burning an American flag, we look at they're burning a flag. If they burnt the Australian flag, we go, yeah, right, that's okay. We'd probably look at it and go, wow, that's a pretty good one. That burns really well. Or... And, and so th there are national boundaries in the way that people behave and the way that things are said. And it's whether, what I was curious about in the conversation we had yesterday was about whether those national boundaries filter into they the have responses to. that you get within the game. They have to. Uh, and, and, like, here's the thing. And, for, and whether it actually has an impact. Yeah, it, it, I think you're right. It, it probably does. Because, to be honest, I was expecting their response. They're curious. They want to know why is someone coming up and they're yeah. not coming out with guns blazing. So embrace them. Let them come in. What do you guys, what's up? What's going on? It's got to be a, a story element. Whereas you are trying to stay in character. It's the middle of the night, guys. What the, what the hell? You know, stop bugging me. And so there's, there is, I think there's a boundary there. And for me, like as an NPC, I totally want to play up anything like this. So I want to confront absolutely. Yeah, no, that's all right. So I was thinking, yeah, okay, so in that case, Calidus is going to, from now on, at any opportunity, when he feels like talking to people that come up and demand things of him, they'll either get it or they won't. And in this particular case, it was, no, you'll talk to me when I'm ready to. 
And interesting, and it worked okay. Yeah, it did. If we go back, if we work through the rest of the scenario. Because you were like, I'm like, going back to I'm bed. I'm going back to bed. I'm not vaguely interested in talking to you. I'm going to get a sleep, have a sleep and, and be done with it. Until she said something. And then that's... she said something, which is then like, <laughs> hey, wait a minute, wait a minute. She fires the trigger and it's like Calidus gets out of bed and goes, oh, hang wait on. Wait a minute. That's yes. relevant to me. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And again, we go back to that scenario. If you were, if you compare it to the real life scenario, that's what you would do. And when you'd be lying there going, when will I get out of bed? Yep. Here's my thinking with her, and this is probably, mm. I, I don't know, this is one of the, again, one of the things, do I tell or don't I tell, is it, is it going to break the story bounds? But my thinking on her was, she needs to talk to you guys because she's witnessed some things and it's important to her because she's there at the pool of blood, and this is, you know this, she's, because she told you, yeah. she's at the pool of blood because she was called. She doesn't know why she was called, but she knows that it's related to Vril, and yeah. she knows how to use Vril, she knows about Vril. And so she's there because and, of that. And she also she's, knows that I took over her site as well. Well, when she because got she there, that. the Tuscali were there. And so she was observing the Tuscali, and she was not going to go and confront them because she's like, she's interested. What the hell are they doing there? Yeah. So she's watching what they're doing, and she doesn't have a clue what they're doing because none of it makes sense, but it's, they've been doing it for days, and she's been observing for days. Then you guys arrive, and a battle ensues. And at some point, you guys, you know, you trigger the pool of blood and the blood elemental comes. After the blood elemental comes, she then puts two and two together and she's got an idea of what the Tiscali were doing. And so at one point you guys are having, and there was a point too when Oraki was like, do you think that this, they're trying to disable a trap? Was there a trap? And in my mind, yeah, of course there was a trap. The blood elemental was a trap. And then according to Fatma as well, when she's talking about it, Clearly, it was a trap. They were trying to do something to stop the trap. Yeah. And what were they doing there? Clearly, something brought them there, right? Mm. Why were they there? That question wasn't answered. So she's asking that question. She's hoping you guys have an answer. And this is the point when I go, this reinforces my the Tuscalia are our friends theory again, because the Tuscalia are disabling the trap in order to... Do what? Yeah, Exactly. So, uh, to me, my... they're actually disabling the trap to go underground to d destroy Cabal, who's really the bad guy in this whole thing. Uh, what, but you don't, you don't, you don't like that theory? <laughs> no. Okay. Cabal's doing something. Yeah, he's in there. He's still yep. alive. Yep. Yeah. And I, I want to tell you something, but I'm he, not going he, to. He and he and the he and the sisters are in cahoots. Yeah, they're the bad guys. Why would the sisters be in cahoots with Cabal? Oh, there's is, this is a sand connection. You know, they're both sandy characters. They live oh, in the desert. That's the, okay. Sand but connection. you want a real <laughs> the sand connection. Like you want a real connection? Yeah. Come on, I'm, I'm. Everything I'm coming up with is really, really tenuous. People of the interwebs, are you thinking? Damn it, man. Is this an abrupt end of the episode? Yep, you are right. Indeed, this episode is definitely not finished and has been sundered, split in twain. But there's a light. Return in just one week. Our discussion will be concluded. Until then, bye-bye. <laughs> <laughs>